What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the next Best Picture podcast. And this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the star from Nyad, Annette Benning. Listen to this. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Don't you want to be fully awake? Your soul ignited by a purpose. Oh, God. Oh, I'm serious. That again. Everybody's got a live. Diana Nyad, world champion marathon swimmer. The swim I want to do is 60 hours. That's Cuba to Florida. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. no. That's insane. Diana, you tried that when you were 28, and you did not make it when you're 28. You're 60. I don't believe in imposed limitations. The only one who gets to decide if I'm through is me. Well, Annette, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me again. We, I got to talk with you a, a few uh, weeks ago for just a very just brief sweet. amount of time, you and Jody. And so I'm glad that we can continue the conversation about Nyad and your wonderful performance. So thanks for the time. My pleasure. Good to be here. Where are you physically? I am in Las Vegas, actually. Yes. Oh my. Okay. Yeah, I'm based <laughs> based in Las Vegas. Everyone always has that reaction. Oh wow. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And I understand you're in Australia on the other, you know, the other side of the time zone now. I am. I'm I'm standing on my head right now. Yeah, I'm in Australia. I'm in Gold Coast where I'm shooting. So, yeah, it's beautiful. It's summer. It's very hot, very sunny. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, let's let's talk about Nyad. Um, your performance is, is just wonderful. Um, I'd love to know how you how you arrived to the project. Did you have awareness? Did you follow Diana Nyad's story as it was happening? No, I didn't. I was aware of Diana. I used to listen to her on NPR. She was regular. I'm an NPR junkie. And she was regularly on NPR. She would sort of weigh in on sports matters, athletic, ethical issues. And I remember her voice and I remember her tenor. You know, I just remember that, ah, oh, what an interesting woman. I And I didn't really know. I, I heard something about the swim when she did it. You know, I was aware. I heard it in the news. But, um, but no, I hadn't really followed her. How did this project arrive to you? Um, were, were Elizabeth and Jimmy on when, when you arrived at the project? Yes, they were. So... When they sent it to me, uh, they had agreed to do it. I didn't know them, but I knew their work. Uh, certainly, I knew Free Solo, this amazing documentary that they made. So I knew that it was them. I knew that they were doing their first narrative film. And that's really all I knew. I sat down and read it, and just like my head exploded. I was just like, oh, my God. This is, I was so 
moved and just really excited by it and thought, well, I have to, just, I have to do this for sure. Like I'm doing this. I, you know, it never, it was just like a, yes, I, I have to do this. What gave you the confidence in Elizabeth and Jimmy that, you know, with this being their first narrative feature, what about them gave you the confidence to know that they could tell the story well? Uh, you know, I, I got to get, I talked with them and we talked through things. Um, I obviously, based on on their work, I figured these people are heavyweights, you know, they, they really know what they're doing. They're very, very experienced filmmakers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to also enter the unknown with people. And I like that. I mean, I guess if I talked with them and I felt there was something out of sync with me or something, I would have had second thoughts, but uh, no, I, I just intuitively uh, knew that it would be an exciting ride, that it would be a huge challenge. You know, I mean, I didn't really even know at the time what a big challenge it would be because I didn't really think it through. I just was like, oh, my God, what an incredible story. What a woman. The relationship with the other woman, the friend, the coach, trainer, friend. Um, just everything was so powerful, you know, and when I go with something, I go with my gut. And um, when I'm moved by something, that's the thing. I think that we all feel that way. We all want to be moved. We all want to be sucked into something. And so the process of making the movie is in some ways trying to recreate that experience because you only get one free read as an actor. You know, there's only one time you read that you have no idea what's coming. And um, so, yeah, so I just, uh, based on my, you know, my gut, I just jumped in. Mm. And, and you've played a number of, of real people real, uh, throughout your career. Do you feel a level of responsibility when you do a responsibility to portray them accurately? Or do you, do you try to approach it the same way you do a fictional role? a really good question. I mean, in this case, I definitely felt incredible responsibility to Diana. The more I got to know her, the more I grew to love her as a person. Uh, I mean, I always feel that. And, and we do have the, we are the advocates for the character. That's what, that's our job. And it's our job to be subjective, you know, and to fight for their point of view, good, bad, whatever. Uh, it's not to judge them. And that's really what I love about the work as well. So I did feel a tremendous responsibility to Diana. However, I also know that no person's real life fits a narrative structure. Generally, we have to mm, emphasize certain things, de-emphasize others and, and create a narrative arc. So I knew that that was my responsibility was to find a way to give her character an arc meaning you start one way and you go through this incredible journey and you end up a different way. She had to be changed by it. So she allowed us some liberty to do that because she understood she's an incredibly intelligent person. She's very literate. And uh, she understood that. Um, so I wanted to try to find the balance. But, you know, it's always a, a quest. It's like a question mark you're asking when you're in the middle of it. You're not like arriving and thinking, oh, yeah, I know exactly what this needs to be. And it's always a, like, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. What I woke up in the middle of the night, I was thinking about this. And then I talked to Diana. I asked her this question and, and we were tweaking the script and we were working with our screenwriter, Julie Cox. And then we were, you know, so the whole process 
was dynamic, even as we were doing it, even as we were shooting it. Any good project, you're still, the, the, the last take, you're thinking, is this like, do we need, is there a, mm, did I find the thing? And did you see that when I did that? And, you know, it's always just tremendous amount of, of questioning, uncertainty, looking, you know, wondering. And what were the things that as you met and, and got to know Diana, what were some of the things that most helped your performance about getting to know her? What were the things that you were picking up as you developed that relationship off screen um, that Im- impacted your performance? There's something that I've been, ha- I've been having hard time articulating. There's something about the look in her eye when I, when I had conversations with her one-on-one, especially that there's this vibration in her. Mm. She is extraordinary and she's, She's very articulate. And if you're in a room with her and a group of people, Diana is kind of the person that we're all kind of dazzled by. She's very dazzling. But of course, I knew that I wanted to get underneath her skin. I wanted to explore the things she explores in her book. She wrote a book called Find a Way, which is all about the swims, because she decided to do this. Cuba to Florida swim when she was 60. She had tried when she was younger and failed when she was in her 20s. So at 60, for a variety of reasons, she was like, okay, I'm going to do it now. And in the book, she she really explores her history, her father, who she didn't know at the time was her actually her stepfather, but she'd been told it was her biological father. Then she found out he was her stepfather when she was in her 20s. And he was a very charismatic, very complicated, abusive, brilliant, and what she ends up saying about him. He was kind of a con artist. So there's that, but it's not about that. And it's about her mom, but it's not about that. And it's, 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 it's everything that happened to her as a young woman, um, as an athlete. So I just tried to get really, really familiar with all of that and, and, and talk to her deeply as, as deeply as she would allow me to. Um, in order to get all that in there. And then we wanted to make the film not about the past. We wanted to make it about the moment she's in, but you know, it's just part of us. We all have our experiences and the older we get, the more we have, and they do inform the present. So it's that, you know, it's that, it's a fabulous thing. I mean, we all love that as actors, we love that. And when it's a person sitting in front of you that you want to honor, you know, then yeah, you feel a huge responsibility. And as dazzling as Diana is, um, there, there's the relationship between her and Bonnie is just stunning. And uh, there's so few films about about genuine impacting friendship like you see in Nyad, which which I so appreciated. Did you get to also meet Bonnie and and observe their real life friendship? And and I'm curious if you did, how that impacted yeah. your performance. Yes, we did. When I first met them, Bonnie, uh, Jody Foster wasn't yet on the project. So when I first met them, and it's funny, I was just thinking about this. The first time I went, I went and had dinner with both of them, they were questioning me. <laughs> they were, they're really curious and they're just incredibly energetic. I mean, they have so much, it's like a, like, you know, like a, Wah! it's like a fan. Wah! They're really intense. And uh, they made, yeah, I had dinner with them. And so, yeah, they were, they were really interested in me. (laughs) 
So um, we talked a lot that night. And it's funny, I remember even that night, they were open with me. And, you know, they showed me something about their dynamic together that made me feel trusted. And uh, so it was all about that in preparing for the movie, all about meeting with her and then meeting with Bonnie. And then when Jody came on, it was about the four of us. So the four of us would get together and we would be, Jody and I would be like observing them. And then after we, afterwards, you know, we would, oh my God, you know, the thing when she does that and then she does that, I was like, whoa, it, it's, it's a great, you know, it's, it's hard to dramatize a friendship. How do you do that? Especially because you need conflict, obviously, in order to tell a story. And if it's just a great friendship, which we all have with some of, you know, people we know, but so because it's the swim, so the friendship kind of, and the telling of the story of their friendship revolves around this endeavor, this crazy athletic endeavor, and um, the dynamic that comes from them trying to do it together. Um, Diana being the swimmer, Bonnie being the coach, best friend. You know, there were a lot of logistical things that had to get handled, but also just the the training, which was so extreme, like crazy extreme. So, so yeah, we we all spent a lot of time together. That's amazing. We had fun too. You know, we just we we enjoyed each other's company. We had a lot of fun. We still do. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, you you mentioned the extreme training that Diana went through. I I imagine you also had to go through some pretty extreme training. You spend a lot of this movie in the water. Uh, what was what was it like preparing for the physical aspect of this role? Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As crazy as it sounds, when I first read it, I didn't really think that through. I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, she's in the watch swimming. Well, and, I'll, and then I realized, oh, I got to do this. And I've been in the water a lot. I was a scuba diver. I worked on a boat. I grew up in San Diego. I was in the water a lot. The water feels very comfortable for me, but I was never a lap swimmer or a, you know, regular swimmer, swimmer. And I didn't really know anything about it. And uh, that is appealing to me. I like being a beginner and you know, in theory, that all sounds great. But then when I got in the water and I, and I thought, well, you know, I'll start swimming. How? And I realized, oh my God, this is like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's incredibly demanding, obviously. So I got scared and I thought, can I do this? Can I make it work? I didn't know at that point how long we had before we were going to shoot. So I had my, you know, humbling moment of like, whoa, okay. So I've got to go about this now. So I had a uh, Olympian, uh, Rada Owen was my coach. She came to my house. I just saw her the other night. She was great for me. She teaches kids. Maybe that's part of it. 
but she's just, she loves swimming still. And she's got this incredibly, she's got this confidence and this dignity about her. I guess like a lot of the great, I've always loved studying athletes and their mentality, especially the great athletes. How do they do that? How do they operate under that kind of pressure? When you get all the way to the Olympics and you have to perform, what's that like? So Rada carries that. But she's also just a lot of fun. She loves to swim still, which a lot of them don't because they get burned out. And um, I showed her, you know, she said, okay, swim for me. So I just like swam, you know, like, ah. And she said, um, oh, yeah, we can make this work. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. We can do this. So she began to break it down. We're basically, you know, Diana's a marathon swimmer. So it's not like I have to be going fast. It's just that I wanted to look right. And that is uh, humbling because I, I, I had, you know, anytime you learn a new physical skill, the expert helps you break it down. And then your brain is like, okay, my hand and then the breathing and then breathe. Oh, I got to breathe to the left. And then the, oh, too much kicking. Wait, not, too, I got to go. No, no, I can't do the kicking as much. I have. So your brain, you actually can only think about one thing at a time. Right. And it's true. There's only one point that you can put your concentration. So at the beginning, it you're just, I was just kind of overwhelmed. And then what it takes is practice. You just have to do it. You just get, get it into your kinesthetic sense. So I just swam all the time. And it's funny, I, I did a movie in Georgia while I was prepping, you know, because we took about a year before we did the movie. And my friend who I worked with on the movie said, yeah, oh, yeah. And I remember you were at that hotel. You were like swimming all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I swam. I just swam and swam and swam and, um, you know, tried to tell myself I could do it. I just kept I just kept saying, you know, giving myself pep talks and then thinking, you know, ah, I don't know. I hope I, I hope I get there. Is that something you you like? Did you fall in love with it uh, in your personal life, and you've kept it up, or was it like, no, I'm 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 done now? I love it. No, I'm totally addicted now. That's great. In fact, if I can't swim, I'm a little bit like, like on edge. Um, no, I've always been someone who exercised to deal with my to take the edge off, as it were, and to quiet my mind. Um, running, yoga, step classes, uh, you know aerobics classes back in the day. I guess we don't even do those anymore. I certainly don't, you know, so I've done all kinds of different things to uh, find an equilibrium. And so now it's swimming. It's just the best. Oh my God. Now I'm a convert, you know, and also it helps me sleep, which is huge. It really helps the central nervous system. So I'm so grateful that I have it now. And I'm a better swimmer now than when I did the movie oh, because really? I still, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I, yeah. That, yeah. There are a few days I think, yeah. When you get the flow, you know, what you're always looking for is the flow, right? When, whatever you're doing, whether it's writing or acting or doing a podcast or whatever, we all want that flow state where we're not really having to think. Hmm. And that, that takes a lot of time to achieve in swimming. And I've had little glimpses of it. One thing I didn't expect to be so impressed by with the film was the makeup work. Uh, there's there's a great deal of makeup work that you endure um, showing showing the great toll that the swims, the marathon swims take 
on Diana and it's incredible. Makeup work is just really, it's shocking to see the toll, you know, um, that, that is on, on Diana. Uh, and the team was amazing. Tell me about, tell me about that process and, and working with the team to develop those, uh, the, the amazing makeup work. It was so intense. We had a great team. We did quite a bit of prosthetics and we started working on the prosthetics early because when people who are marathon swimmers, they end up with, you know, their faces get very distorted, their lips become swollen, their skin, sunburn, all the various, um, you know, things that happen. So we, we worked on it very hard. And the thing that I'm so proud of is that the prosthetics, I think, don't call attention to themselves. It's, it's very nuanced and very subtle. And we also knew that we needed to uh, have uh, certain gradations, right? We knew we had to start at one place and end at another place, but we also had a lot of in-betweens. She, through the course of this endeavor, she fails over and over again. That's the whole remarkable thing about about Diana is that she kept failing and everyone around her was was just like, hey, Diana, you're 60, one, two, three. You can't do this. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Young people couldn't do this. How could you do this? So because she kept at it, we had, so we wanted the, the makeup to reflect the, the story and, and just how bad it got. I mean, there's some things that of course we couldn't, we couldn't even put in the movie. Like she says that when she finished the swim, the final one where she succeeded, the inside of her mouth was so raw from the salt water that she couldn't eat like for quite a while. So we had, we had some great makeup artists. We had a guy named Corey Castellano who basically figured out all of the prosthetics. And then, you know, we applied them. And I actually got in the water with the prosthetics, which was amazing. We didn't know if that was going to work. But of course, we needed that because I needed to be able to be swimming in the water with the prosthetics on. So I'm so grateful to them because, um, yeah, they they really made it look good. And they didn't, but they didn't want to call attention to themselves, which I thought was, you know, admirable. Yeah. And I think they struck that balance really, really well. It's it's incredible work. And as you said, you know, Diana's uh, attempting something that's seemingly crazy, you know, uh, uh, something that they not even a young person could do much less someone in their in their 60s um so they say and she cares a lot about being the first to make this swim and it seems to me she cares a lot about her her place in history to a degree so they got me wondering uh, about the same thing about you you've been in the public eye for a long time do you think about your place in history or film history or things like that or is that too out there too weird to think about <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think about that. I, I, I really love what I do. I love the craft of the work. I'm working on something right now. I'm completely absorbed in it. So I, I just am still uh, very grateful for that. And I just, that's kind of what I focus on is what I'm doing at the moment. But I think a lot of athletes, when you say that about Diana, a lot of athletes they have this because it gives them inspiration to go forward. And um, a lot of extreme athletes 
I know when I was I was with Jimmy Chin, our one of our directors. Um, Jimmy is an extreme athlete. He's a, he's an alpinist and an incredible mountain climber. You know, like climbs Everest and skis down. I mean, you know, he was a climber and then became a documentarian. So I was hanging out with them one time, and they had one of their friends there who's a polar explorer, and they were discussing, you know, the particular things that he was doing that no one had ever done or a thing that he was going for. And Jimmy has a few more things that he's going for that he's never accomplished. So there's something in the mentality of these great extreme athletes, which is always going for the next thing, the next uh, mountain to climb. And this is part of who they are and it's part of their DNA. And there are in every sport, which I didn't know, it's another thing I learned on this job, was there's always a group of people who are trying to tear down the athletes. I don't care what you do, whether you're a marathon runner, runner, swimmer, cross country, uh, that person, I don't know, there's in, in every sport, there's somebody saying, well, did they really do that? And I heard that that wasn't really how it was. And you know, there's, there's always naysayers, haters, as they call them. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's just part of human nature that there are some people who have to keep going and finding new challenges. And then there are other people who seem to want to tear that down. I don't know why. Hmm. Yeah. So well put. Well, I wish I could talk longer. This is just about my time. Uh, before I let you go, I, I was, uh, curious to ask about your, your role. You took over, uh, as chair of the entertainment community fund just before the SAG strike. Um, what, what was the biggest thing you learned being in that role during such a challenging season for Hollywood? That's a good question. I think one of the, well, the financial hardship was epic. A lot of people lost their homes. They just couldn't pay their mortgages. A lot of people uh, lost their apartments. They couldn't pay their rent. They couldn't pay their medical bills. And uh, you know, it, it fell on many of us and there were many different people who were working very hard at trying to raise money. At the Entertainment Community Fund, we've been doing this. This is a longstanding organization. I love them. They're ethical. They're incredibly well run. They have an amazing staff and it's for everybody in show business because it's always been this seasonal business where people are employed, then unemployed, up and down. Uh, so they've been around for a long time and they've always had this emergency financial assistance going on. But during the strike, we, we created a work stoppage fund, we called it. And so uh, I learned, one of the things I learned was how many people want to help. People really care. People do want to step up. And people do want to help protect others. And that's what, in our business, a lot of people did that. So that felt really good. I, I believed in the strike 100%. I supported it 100%. But I also knew that there were a lot of us that needed to step up. And then I was amazed at how many people wanted to step up. And I was kind of dazzled by that. Um, and how people contributed their time and their money to try to help everybody out. So I'm glad the strike is over. 
and I will continue to work with the Entertainment Community Fund because what they do is so vital. And I, and I love their mission and the staff is just fantastic. Amazing. Well, Annette, thank you again for your time and, and thank you for your wonderful performance in Nyad. I appreciate, your, uh, appreciate you speaking with me today. Thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the star from Nyad, Annette Benning, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nyad is up for your consideration for all eligible categories at the 96 Academy Awards, including Best Actress for Annette Benning and Best Supporting Actress for Jodie Foster. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.